Can Steve Sarkeesian enter the class of elite coaches that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban currently occupy? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. the show jonathan davis your host today's episode of locked on longhorns is brought to you by linkedin jobs get the applicants you need faster and for free at linkedin jobs john garcia jr director of football recruiting at sports illustrated joining me once again on today's show of locked on longhorns and john in a few years the texas longhorns will be headed to the sec and we know that they're not going to the sec for a participation trophy they're going to the sec to try to win conference championships and national championships but in their way of conference championships and probably national championships is a Georgia team that just beat TCU 65 to seven and an Alabama team that beat Kansas state who won the big 12 45 to 20 Texas will have to compete with those two teams on a yearly basis. So what has to happen over the next few years for the Texas Longhorns who have yet to win the big 12 <laughs> in about a decade, for them to be able to compete with Georgia and Alabama on a yearly basis? I know that probably sounds like a crazy question to somebody on the outside looking in. Look, I, I think, look, two things. First, this was a reminder, right, that you you can still build a monster. And I all caps, bold, underline the word monster at Georgia. You can still build this thing from the inside out. You know, I, I think – we can get really lost in the skill position spread, all, all the modern basketball on grass conversations in the sport. But it, it was really about the trenches on Monday night. That's why it was so dominant. Georgia ran the ball however they wanted. It looked like practice, quite literally. And then defensively, poor, poor Max Duggan couldn't, couldn't get anything going. He was bleeding after the first drive. Uh, literally. So it, it really was about the trenches. So I think on that front, you'd like where Texas is heading. There's been a clear emphasis on the trenches and you've got to build inside out. So that's the first point. I do think they're on the way there. I, I really like the combination of Bo Davis defensively, Kyle Foot offensively in the trenches. I think you've got two SEC, you know, labeled recruiters that are absolutely getting it done from a talent acquisition standpoint. That's the first thing. The second thing, it's not so much about competing with them on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Depending on how these pods or divisions shake out, you might not have to deal with playing them very often, but can you kind of hit that stars aligning lightning in a bottle LSU 2019 type of run to where you can go out there and win it without being as dominant day-to-day year-to-year I think those are the two methods to that. And I think on the first front, Texas has done a great job reestablishing the line of scrimmage from a young and talent acquisition standpoint. So we'll see how the development comes in thereafter. And then secondly, can you have a stars aligning type of moment? I mean, you might have the quarterback for it on, on the current roster and on campus uh, today. Can that galvanize to that level to where other guys really want to jump in and now maybe more established players want to jump in and, and you hit that lightning in a bottle moment. I, I don't think it's as much about competing with them every year. You, you've done so in recruiting. Uh, you, you did so on the field with Alabama this year. 
but you don't have to do it in a one-to-one ratio. You, you have to do it from, from more of a perspective uh, situation. So depending on how the divisions and the pods and the conference schedule it lays itself out. It doesn't have to be a, a night to day experience. It could be a longstanding kind of deal. Uh, but I think if it does become a one to one, you got to deal with these guys every year. You got to start in the trenches. And I think in that regard, Texas is on its way. Another way to expedite that. I lost you. Can't hear anything. You can't hear me at all. Now, what? Try again? Can you hear me? Now, yes. All right. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> all right. Another way another way to expedite this process is with a transcendent quarterback, right? We saw it with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we saw it against Georgia with uh, Tua, right, when they took out Jalen Hurts and put Tua in uh, to win that championship. Do you think that Texas has the transcendent quarterback on their roster right now to be able to expedite that process to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas when they move to the SEC? I would say maybe. Uh, it, could, it could be Quinn Ewers. Uh, we, we still, we've got a one-year sample here that is encouraging. Uh, obviously, Arch Manning is the other one you're hinting at in, in that regard. Look, all the tools and resources and foundational elements are there. Uh, the, the only unknown is how is he going to transition? That That's really it. I am not worried about the mental. I'm not worried about the playbook. I'm not worried about making checks and blocking schemes and timing and anticipation and arm strength and athleticism. I'm working worried about that transition itself, the day-to-day, the QB room, the mental fatigue of maybe not being the guy right out of the gate, which he's never experienced on a football field. Those elements that are really unknown and intangible. But everything else says – Yes, Arch Manning could be that galvanizing quarterback. And if you compare him to those players, the the non-SEC guys to do it, right? It's like you said, it's Watson, it's Lawrence, it's Jameis Winston. It's those guys that have a a really specific skill set. And I think, you know, with Lawrence in particular, there are a lot of similarities between his game and, and Arch Manning's game. And a lot of folks on my side of the coin will tell you, when you talk about the best quarterbacks you've ever scouted, those two come up in the conversation almost simultaneously. So I do think in that regard, from a skill set standpoint, Arch Manning could be that that galvanizing force. But again, it's gotta it's gotta hit at the right time. And maybe his legs are are the reason. Man, maybe his legs are the unlocked feature in this whole conversation that could make Arch uh, one of the most intriguing quarterback prospects we, we've ever scouted. You know, so I think that's something we used to say about Trevor Lawrence and on the one-to-one between the two, Texas is recruited better than Clemson in that era. You know, so I do think, you know, you've got to win your conference and go from there. But until, until Texas jumps into the sec, you've you've got that opportunity. Cause again, there's nothing saying for sure, Texas is going to have to deal with Georgia and Alabama on any kind of regular basis. Yeah, we saw Stetson Bennett looking like Michael Vick in the national championship game. So we need Arch to use those legs as well. Uh, We know in college football, your head coaches are going to be your CEOs. Kirby Smart is a CEO, right? Nick Saban is a CEO. And right now you would have to say that they are the two top coaches in college football, undoubtedly. Maybe if you want to put Dabo in there, but it's been a little minute since we've seen Dabo reach the mountaintop, right? Do you feel that Steve Sarkeesian can be the coach that enters that elite echelon of college football where Nick Saban and Kirby Smart currently occupy? 
Well, I think all those chips are on the table this year. Uh, I, I think it's a little early to make that call. Now, has he been around enough of those folks? And quite literally with, with Nick Saban, he has. Does he have the experience to take that step back, which is very hard for coaches to do, particularly coaches on the younger side? I know Sarkeesian's been around, but he, he's not the most tenured head coach out there. Uh, very hard to take that step back. Can he do that? That's a question that maybe remains to be seen here going forward, but he's been around it enough. You know, I think that's that's really the key takeaway. He's been around those CEO and, and, and atmospheres and cultures, and he's trying to cultivate that at, at Texas. Again, you don't get an Arch Manning w- without that, you know, without that belief. Um, so maybe it's as simple as that, uh, but maybe it's not. You know, I, I think this year we'll, we'll start to tell that story because unfortunately for Steve, this is going to be the spotlight year, whether he likes it or not. And, and a lot of decisions and perceptional feels are going to be created or, or kind of dashed away all in one moment by really by this time next year, we're going to have a lot of clarity in, in a lot of these uh, conversations. Dalen Catalan and where Texas needs to address in the transfer portal moving forward. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, John, I know you love your DBs, and Texas filled a huge need picking up Jalen Legacy Safety from Arkansas, four-year But get it, I guess, pending the fact that he stays healthy, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the, the 22 season for him was, was really up and down, and it was circumstantial. But go back to 21. Uh, Jalen Catalan was one of the best players in the SEC. Not defensive players, not safeties, not DBs. He's one of the best football players in the SEC. There's a true balanced element that he brings to a secondary. He can come up and fill the alley and play physically, and he can absolutely cover. I mean, he, he's got that experience to, to be deeper than the deepest man and make plays on the football when it's in the air. He plays it very well at the catch point in particular. So I think he's going to bring a lot of playmaking, but he's going to bring experience along with it to where his value will be seen beyond the box score, beyond what he does individually. Because I think he could be a guy who gets you lined up. I think he could be a guy that is your captain of the defense that really has the accountability of the entire secondary. And we've talked about Texas being an experienced secondary really throughout 2022. So now that's going to change in 23. But bringing in a player like this um, to literally man the middle I think is about as good as it gets. You know, there, there weren't a lot of elite safeties in the portal from what I saw. It wasn't like quarterback or wide receiver or even offensive tackle where you felt like there are some all-conference performers available. But among that small group, Jalen Catalan was, was one of them that you felt like if he could stay healthy, he could be that guy that, that propels his own stock and elevates, you know, a defense elsewhere other than Arkansas uh, at some point in 2023. So I, I do like the fit. With Texas, this is an aggressive defense, uh, and he's an aggressive player. So I think he's going to help get guys lined up in the margins. He can disguise his coverage, uh, and he can really make a play at the point of contact, which is really, at the end of the day, what, what it's about. 
only seven games played since 2020 for Jalen Catalan. Literally the only question mark when you talk about him. Uh, they've picked up Jalen Catalan at the safety position, or fortified that in the transfer portal. Picked up Gavin Holmes, the corner from Wake Forest, uh, added some depth to that position. Where else would you like to see uh, this Texas football team address needs in the transfer portal? That's a great question, J.D. I, I think more on defense. Um, what we talked about some of the holes that, that Texas dealt with. I think you can never have enough rotational defensive linemen, I think both on the interior and on the edge. There, there are some players available that can help Texas right away. Uh, we, we saw them address the, the, the needs in the portal in the front seven pretty heavy last year, and I think duplicating that would, would make uh, a ton of sense. You are bringing in a great front seven class, so I, I do wonder how that's going to balance out when all of these guys get on campus, if not now, in, in the month of May, uh, but I do think there's more front seven needs and need areas for Texas to hit. But I do like the direction that they've gone in the secondary. And look, offensively, you, you seem like things are in good shape, right? You, you've gotten some some big time players announcing their intentions uh, to return. And, and that youth you had on the offensive line obviously is, is going to have the opportunity to take a step forward going into a, a 23. So I, I think the trenches in particular, um, really on both sides, if there's a great O-lineman available, I think that would make sense for Texas to attack. Yeah, it looks like they're bringing back 11 of 12 starters on the off. I mean, 10 of 11 starters on the offensive side. The only issue is the one starter they're missing is going to be B. John Robinson, right? So that's a pretty big deal. That counts as two to three starters uh, right there. So Brennan Marion, wide receiver coach at the University of Texas, has decided to leave to take a, a offensive coordinator position at UNLV. I think it's the third straight year that uh, Brennan Marion uh, has left the job after one year. So we know he doesn't like to get too comfortable these days. But um, how important is it for Texas to make a slam dunk hire at the wide receiver coach position following Brennan Marion's departure? It's huge. It's huge. Right. I, mean, I think when you when you think of these most the most modern offenses out there and Texas is right in that category, there's a lot put on these wide receivers, um, you know, from, from a blocking standpoint, from a developmental standpoint, route running, uh, choice routes, all of the elements, RPOs, uh, playing the blitz as a hot read. There's a lot of elements mentally that you've got to be able to communicate and execute at that position. So combining an experienced wide receivers coach with a, a young recruiter, I, I think is really hard to do. And Texas found a way to, to upgrade there a couple of times over the last few years. Uh, so I think trying to do it again, won't be easy, but, but you've got to hit there. Wide receiver has become an increasingly important position across the sport. I mean, you look at the NFL and you talk about the best players in the league, you, you, you get to your, your Justin Jefferson's, you get to your Stefan Diggs is pretty quickly in the conversations as opposed to five, 10 years ago, it was never about wide receiver and, and wide receivers is one of those that might be the next premium position that we talk about, right? Right now it's five spots. Could they be the sixth spot? You know, so receiver overall, critically important. I mean, people are still having the conversation JD where, nationally there's a sense that if ohio state was healthy at receiver this year georgia doesn't make it to the championship and if bama was healthy at the receiver position last year georgia doesn't make it to the championship now i know that's just conversation and discourse but if we're talking about one position being the difference between a back-to-back -back seemingly dominant national title run it's pretty important so yeah wide receivers it is huge and you've got to hit individually 
at the position. So very curious to see how that shakes out for Texas. Because, uh, look, you, you've signed great receiver classes, but development is a whole different conversation. So now whoever gets that job, and it'll be quite coveted, you're going to inherit a heck of, of a wide receiver haul there at UT with some established quarterbacks uh, to, to deal with and a great system thereafter. So there'll be no shortage of interest in that job. But obviously you want to hit on the right guy who could both develop and recruit simultaneously. Yeah, like you said, not only will that wide receiver coach have to develop a plethora of talent that's on campus right now, but they'll have to continue that momentum that Brennan Marion started bringing in those type of classes with three top 100 receivers in the 2023 class. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me once again on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace.